I guess first question, can you talk about how the Boise State game uh, came about? Um, obviously, it was originally scheduled for November 7th. You were able to get it back, um, and they were given an exception, I guess, by the Mountain West to play a non-conference game. Can you just talk about how that game uh, came about? Sure. Um, I received a call from Kurt Apsey at Boise State, who is their athletic director, and he suggested that because of the Air Force game with Army, it would allow um, a possible non-conference game that Craig Thompson and the other leaders of the conference were looking into that just to make sure that there wouldn't be a disadvantage to anybody in the Mountain West Conference. It really was very fortunate enough uh, for us, very fortuitous, that um, Air Force was playing Army, left an opening so that one other team, because there's an even number of teams in their league, could play a game. And instead of them playing one less game, which they will, conference-wise, they were able to get a game outside. And I, I I don't really know the details of it, but as it was told to me, there was kind of a, like, a, I don't want to say a pecking order, but uh, some maybe they volunteered to say, hey, we had a game with them, and this would be a game that we could play, and it fits, fits us, and it fits that open day. So that Boise State game just seemed like the stars were perfectly aligned, and we had very good assistance from the Mount West Conference. And then do you, do you have an update on the Army rescheduling is there a chance that's going to happen soon um i think that the the best way to describe that is immediately after the game we talked about the possibilities there are some potential open dates but the way things are going right now with the season i really believe that we take it a week at a time you've seen the number of postponements and it's probably best just to see you know, like these games right here, um, we didn't anticipate this was going to happen three weeks ago, but because of the stars being aligned, it came together quickly. And one of the benefits of this is being an independent is that we don't have a league that we have to go through with, I'm not, not the politics of the league, but just the logistics of the scheduling in a league. It's very complicated for those conferences when they have openings or postponements. And so that's kind of the reason that with Army and BYU, we have flexibility, but you'll have to look at the health of the teams down the road because of COVID and the, short, and the season, all those strange things just later in the season. And we'll, we'll keep all those doors open. And we, we'll, we'll, we have good relationships with Army and we'll continue to talk, but it'll be, I'd say it's like a work in progress. I couldn't put a, a percentage on it. We both would like to see it happen. Whether it will or not, will be telling time. Thanks. Darnell, go ahead. Yeah, Tom, having spent this time putting together a whole schedule in such a short amount of time, has it made you rethink or reshape the way that you have previously scheduled some of the ideas and, and uh, goals that you had before? That's an interesting question. I just think it's an asterisk year in scheduling. It's just there's so many rules that were broken now. (laughs) Not legal rules, but you just need so much um, assistance. You need a lot of people 
taking some risks with you and you take risks with them. These games are scheduled out so far in advance that even if I learned something, I probably wouldn't be able to change it till 2030. Um, I, I've said this a couple times recently that one really good things come out of it is there's way more conversations occurring with athletic directors. And that's been a very positive. I've spoken with ADs on multiple phone calls about games that we'll never play. And some people say, well, gosh, that's a waste of time. No, it's not. It's a great connection. We've learned, we've shared um, best practices during COVID, even though the games never really came to fruition. So if I've learned anything, it's I probably could improve my communication with other ADs and my connections with other ADs. And I'm going to call other ADs and pick up the phone and just ask how their golf game's going, how's their family. I, this, the athletics have become a big business now. And during this COVID times, I think we've all taken a step back and gotten back to maybe some of the old school relationships, which I appreciate. As a follow-up, uh, I imagine this has been a, one of the more challenging times of your career as an athletic director. Have you found a way to kind of relax and get away from it somehow and, and, and keep uh, yourself sane? <clears throat> sure. I, I think um, you and I, Darnell, would be very similar. We're all, you know, you guys are under, a, the media is under incredible scrutiny because there's no games for all those months. And so there's pressure on you to get the hit, hit. Where's the story? What's the story? Give me a profile. Ask the AD, ask the coach. And every, I think everybody has added pressures and added responsibilities during this period of time. And so my, um, you know, getaways are probably similar to yours. You know, I go for drives at night to get a, a milkshake at, at a Taco Amigo. Um, you know, I get out because some days during these difficult times, especially earlier when the schedule was really thin, you were on the, I was on the phone a lot during the day and you realize you, you hadn't eaten lunch, you skipped lunch and you forgot things. So I, I mean, it's a long answer, but I think that I'd be just like you guys. Media has pressures and sort of ADs and sort of parents that have kids home from school. It's, it's, we're all in this together. Great. Let's uh, have Mitch go next and followed by Norma. Yeah, Tom, thanks for uh, doing this here. Appreciate it. Uh, I was curious, you know, what are these scheduling agreements between BYU, Boise, and San Diego State say about the relationship between BYU and the Mountain West 10 years after, after you guys left the league? Thanks. I appreciate you mentioning that. And I, I do have throw out kudos, especially now. Um, I'd say nine years ago, this wouldn't have happened. Um, it was a tough break for everybody involved and there were some hard feelings, but the people involved are good people. Some ADs are gone. Some new ADs are in there. The Mountain West Conference staff is very experienced from top to bottom. They have a lot of um, contacts and they're, they're very wise about things, games. They know this. They have so much experience. And so I would say 
that just through the years kind of coming back together, you've seen we've scheduled more and more games with Mountain West Conference. And thankfully, because the, the regional teams that are cl- in our, we're in the same region, we have really good rivalries through the years. Um, some of the fans still hold some hard feelings, but I really feel grateful to the individuals in the Mountain West Conference, the conference as a whole, because without them, this wouldn't happen. And, and I think that the Pac-12 is a conference that's helped us a lot as an independent. And so it's good to have friends out there um, during these tough times. You need a lot more friends out there. And this pandemic's been uh, challenging on, on everyone. And, and I was, you know, noticed last year on your annual report, stated 26% of revenue was from, or the athletic department was ticket sales, number one on that report. So I was curious, you know, what is your department maybe doing to try to recoup some of that revenue while fans are not allowed to uh, attend football games and, or it's smaller in numbers at the moment? Um, I think most of the schools across the country are realizing there's two equation part two parts of the equation one is reducing your expenses and the other one is to try to find creative ways to increase your revenue and those are both difficult challenges so we're undertaking both of those right now some of them are in the works and some of them are on white paper whiteboards um those challenging times of not being able to put people in the stands without your season ticket base is challenging for our fans and it's challenging for us financially. One of the things I would say and is that we've had a fair number of, of our season ticket holders who have donated their full season ticket contribution for this year to the athletic department. And they'll come back next year and buy new tickets next year. That's rare and it's extraordinary. And I'm super grateful because that number that have done that, it, t- it chips away at our deficit already. Um, as an athletic director that's trying to run a business, you can't be more grateful. You can't be more thankful to know that some people and many people in your organization can do that. We also ask many of them that had bought season tickets this year, if they wouldn't donate it, if they could carry their tickets, if we could carry over their money to next year. So that allows us to hold on to a large amount of money that we can make work for us. Those are two examples of revenue that we can keep and a new revenue stream. Um, It's a humbling experience to know and hear some of the people um, have a lot of money to do it, and I'm grateful for that. And some of them are the widow's might, and some of the stories of the people that have donated it because they want to see BYU be strong coming out of this. Remarkable. Hey, Tom. So back, thinking back to when Mountain West originally decided to postpone the 20 season, 2020 season, and BYU was left with just three games. What was the mentality like at that point? Was there ever any thought of just scrapping the season uh, altogether? And then how do we get to this point where you guys now have 10 games? Um, Norma, we really never wanted to concede. 
but it was a realistic, viable possibility. And it wasn't so much that that's what BYU wanted, but we always felt from the beginning that we weren't going to be one of the first ones out. We were going to try to hang in there, predicated on health and well-being. And so that was a difficult balance early on for everybody in the NCAA was to say, are we doing the right thing by trying to hang on where we're not quite sure about how this COVID works? And that's why you saw some people make decisions over here and some people make decisions over here. And I don't, I don't have hard feelings about any of them. Everybody had to make a decision based on their own unique situation at their school, their personnel, their, their uh, county health departments, their state health departments. There were a lot of factors. So I, don't, I didn't want to try to judge anybody making difficult decisions at that time. And we just kind of put our arms around each other here at BYU and said, what are we going to do? And we had daily, daily, hourly meetings to proceed. And so that, I guess that was our strategy. Let's proceed the best we can, how we can. And some days we'd take three steps forward and the next day we'd take two steps back. And some, when it got into the dog day afternoons of scheduling, you know, I'd take three steps forward and 10 steps back. And those were days where we, I just wasn't sure. And those were the days where, you know, it wasn't necessarily going to be BYU shutting it down, but it would be, there weren't, wouldn't be enough teams to play. And that's, I think, when you saw we had to make a decision um, that was going to be based on the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC, because those were the three that were still out there making the decision. If they would, if one of those three wouldn't have decided to play, then college football would have closed down. But because the three did decide to play, it allowed us, BYU, to continue our process. It didn't mean it was going to go all the way. And um, it didn't help us a lot because they all went um, conference only. And we had some games lined up with those conferences. But it did allow us a foot in the door, keep the door open. And then we just continued. And there were a lot of fortuitous breaks. I really... This is a lot of things unfolded positively to where we got the schedule. And look, I, I'm the spokesperson for it, but believe me, there were hundreds of people that helped BYU put the schedule together. And I'm grateful for every one of them. And when I say hundreds, there, there were a lot of people that I talked to um, about games that had multiple phone calls, multiple discussions, and we're not going to play them in 2020. But they tried, We've tried really hard. And that kind of gave me hope that we could do it. There's a lot of people trying, and I realize that. So that's kind of the story of how it goes in a nutshell. The individual details are some, somewhat a blur to me now. And I, I'm not really concerned about retelling the story because I'm kind of more concerned about tonight because we're here. This, the schedule got us to here. But this is what it's, it's not about the schedule. It's about the games. And uh, in, in, in the end, I'm a former BYU football player. I'm a former BYU coach. I'm a current BYU fan. And I'm in it with everybody else. 
and I'm giddy that we have a game tonight. Um, and I don't know how it's going to go next week. So I'm trying to live in the moment and not look in the past. And yeah, we have a, a, a schedule set that gives us a good chance to show what we got. But it's, it's game to game. Coach speak, for sure. But never in my life have I felt that it's more day-to-day, game-to-game. And um, with the addition of Boise State and now San Diego State, can people come to expect any more games added to the 2020 season? I don't know. Um, I'm not being coy about it. I, I, I met with people last week, and I didn't see Boise State or San Diego State being real. When, when the Mountain West Co- Conference opened up, uh, I'm very – I realize um, as an independent, we look at openings differently than conferences do because one thing, there's a lot of conferences that have these built-in games during the conference season. For example, the military academies, Air Force with the Mountain West Conference and the Naval Academy with the American Athletic Conference where they have these games with the military academies that are not going to stop. And so during that season, BYU's always tried to slide in and say, hey, we'll be an opponent for your conferences so that you don't have to have someone standing alone in your conference if they have an even number of games. The same thing is true in the Pac-12 because Stanford and USC always play Notre Dame. And that's something that Dave Brown helped me understand and helped me be able to work with a lot of schools and conferences. Just look around the country. The SEC has so many inter-conference, inter-conference games, regional games, that take place during the season. And that's one of the things that, as an independent, we're a little bit more fluid and a little bit more mobile to be able to get those games. And that's kind of how this happened with the Mountain West Conference. It's, we're flexible, but we needed a lot of help. Okay, next we'll have um, Jeff Call and then David James after that. Hey, Tom, uh, when do you anticipate uh, fans being able to come back to the stadium? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't anticipate it. I'm eager, but I couldn't give you a date. I can say that this game um, was part of a – two-game set that fell in the, under the auspices of the state and local guidelines for health and welfare for COVID. And so we, we knew from the beginning, well, when, when the governor came out and, and changed it to orange in Utah County and changed the policies for the games, that we would not be able to play these first two. We turned our attention immediately to the next game. And those discussions are ongoing. But a lot of that will have to do with the numbers in Utah County and the ongoing communication between the state of Utah, Utah County Health, and BYU. So that's why I say it's day-to-day and week-to-week. And the way that the state does it is in two-week chunks. And so when the next one comes out, we will have University of Texas San Antonio, and then we have a road game. So we'll, we'll probably be looking at one chunk. And we have scenarios set up. Nobody in the stands, some people in the stands, more people in the stands. 
And instead of getting emotional about it, uh, we just work hard to be um, effective communicators, do the best we can, and the state's doing the same thing. So I feel confident that's the best procedure that we can use, and we'll do that. We'll do everything we can. I want this thing full. Are we going to get Lavelle Edwards Stadium full this year? I would not anticipate that. But anything above zero is good, and anything above six thousand is good. But we'll do it on a game-to-game basis. And then also, I was wondering, were there ever any serious discussions about uh, BYU playing in the Big 12 or Mountain West just for this season only? There were discussions that I offered up, but we didn't really get um, very much of a response back on that. Um, Obviously, Cougar Nation sees um, that Notre Dame has a scheduling arrangement with the ACC. That's Notre Dame football. They have an incredible, strong brand that they could go to any conference in the country. Um, BYU, for various reasons, different situation. But I asked, and I floated it and gave them the scenarios. They were super uh, respectful. And it, it's, it doesn't, it's really, really difficult to do that. It, it, it's easy conceptually but there's so many parameters and so many issues that come into play with associate teams. And so it wasn't very realistic, but we gave it a shot. Tom, since you have two open dates in November and one in December, I'm curious if you've had any conversations with the Pac-12 or any of the Power Five leagues about, hey, if you need a game, especially for the conferences that aren't playing very many games, if you need a game because one team can't play, we could fill in on short notice and it wouldn't be a conference game, but at least it would be a game. Have you had those discussions and what's been the reaction? I I really haven't had the discussions, but I've talked to so many of those people through the through this scheduling uh, process that they realize what I've tried to convey to all the people in the country is we're just going to be mobile. We're going to be flexible. There's so many things that we can do not being in a conference. So just keep an eye on us. I think when people saw that we could put a game together with Navy so quickly and Army so quickly, I, I hope that people are going in like on the back burner Hey, if anything were to happen down the road, BYU is pretty flexible. And I know so many of the people out there that if it were to happen, then I could make that call. But here's the thing, David. Right now, everybody's focus of attention is let's get our conference down. They, they got back into the game with a plan, and the plan did not include BYU. The plan included let's see if we can play all of our games. But they've built – some um, games are scheduled open weeks, most of them have, into the end of their schedule. That's not for us. That's for their postponed games because one of the things that you're going to look at is some of these conferences are basing their conference champion on their winning percentage because it's such an unbalanced schedule. You hear that in basketball, you don't hear that in football very much. But that's how they're doing it. Now you bring into something that is possible. That if there are 
postpone games within leagues and they can't make up that game for a various reason, the question will be, will conferences allow their conference teams to go and get games outside of the conference just to be able to play a number of games, whatever that is for them, in this um, asterisk pandemic 2020 football schedule. So you ask me, we're open to it, David, for sure. You ask them, it's the last thing on their mind right now. And, and, but they have it on the back burner for sure. But you're never, they're, never, they're not going to say a word about it. Why would they? Their focus of attention right now should be on their conference. And if you look at the Mountain West Conference right now, it opened up right away because they had the things that we've talked about. And now they've closed the door and they're saying, let's go. Who's going to be our champion? Who's going to get into the bowl games? And it's just, it's a piece of business that took place. And we're, we're fortunate that we're flexible. And along those same lines, you're only two games into the season here, but it looks like you're going to be favored in a lot of games going forward. And you're, you're going to end up with a team with a pretty good record and, and a ranked team. So are you starting to have early conversations with bowl games? Because this, the, the normal alignments could all be blown up by everything that's going on. Not really. I, I, I'm not on. Honestly, I'm not having conversations with bowl teams. Now, I, I, with ESPN, who owns a, minute, a number of the bowls and broadcasts those, we have some very um, short, quick conversations that are looking at kind of cloud ideas, but it's early. It's so early. And these conferences that have come back into play now have filled up many of those bowl games that were sitting there vacant. So I think it looks like it would pretty much be, um, this is a crazy word to say, a normal bowl schedule. <laughs> but what I mean by that is most of the bowl teams will try, bowl games will try to play, but I could see a number of them just closing shop for this year. And then that will bring a new little intricacy. What, what if some of the games aren't able to play because of their community and their finances? And that's going to bring something to the debate or to the equation that we haven't even started thinking about yet. You know, when you have Big Ten number eight versus SEC number seven, that's 15 games. I mean, 15 teams. It's, yeah, it's 15. Well, you're, you're talking about 14 teams in seven games or eight games. Are they all going to be played? You know, in the past, some of those, they don't even qualify for those, and now they have to go get other teams to fill those games. It's right now, I don't even want to think about it. And, but as the season progresses, and it, we go from week to week to week with the new COVID um, factor, ask me in three weeks, and I'll give you a different answer. Okay, let's, um, let's do uh, Greg Rubel next. And then I think we've gone to everybody that's wanted to ask. So on the second round through, we'll have you just ask one question um, after Greg. And we'll do um, – Dana, you'll be after Greg. Thanks. Hey, Tom. Only a few games have been played kind of nationally, but we're already in October. What's the value of being an undefeated team, a ranked team, a conversation team right now at this time of year when things are really kind of getting going? 
I think it's val- it's added value for sure, Greg. Um, I think there's a conversation or a word that's thrown out a lot is relevancy. And you see some college teams right now, they're struggling during this COVID um, period. So you watch teams on TV and you're like, whoa, that's not the team that I've seen in the past. And I understand it. So I think this is a year that's going to be so different. It's topsy-turvy. But they still have rankings. They still have polls. They still have games. They still have championships. And everybody's trying their hearts out to get there. And at this point in the season, we're undefeated. And I hope that our players and our fans realize that it's not easy that Louisiana Tech's going to come in here, oh, and oh, they're undefeated too. And they are going to come in with high-flying hopes. And they're a good athletic team. They have a lot. They're asking the same question. How good are we? That's what they're asking. How good are we? They're fans. And people are asking, how good are we? We're going to find out tonight. And that's one of the great things that we tried to do, Greg, is play the games. Because you never know until you play the games. Thanks. Go ahead, Danny. You're up. Okay. Hey, Tom. Um, um, BYU is not unique to having players test positive uh, during the course of the season. Um, was that kind of a wake-up call maybe, or have you noticed a uh, change in behavior of how serious this is? And the players all said that they've, you know, modified their behavior and even extra careful. Did you have a talk with them to make sure that, you know, another game isn't canceled? Um, I think that the players know for sure. And I think that's an accurate statement to say perhaps the canceling of a game, that's a big thing. There have been very many canceled games in college football. You have some hurricane games. There's been some rare instances through the years, but this year it's something that people had to go, oh, wow, there's going to be a lot of these. I read somewhere where I think it was maybe a week or so ago, so it might have been before, you know, some of the P5 started playing, that 25% of the scheduled games had been canceled. That's a huge amount. And it's going to look like it's going to be, you know, you're, going to, you're going to see more and more. You saw an NFL game canceled. Man. And so, yes, everybody understands that this is a possibility and what the coaches are saying every, literally every day, there's reminders. You're trying to come up with graphics and uh, videos and best practices and articles and everything. It's just like awareness. And what's happening in the community with social awareness and um, PR campaigns and all those things that their governments and states and counties and cities are trying to do to get people's attention times a hundred on an athletic department. Everybody's, but it's coming from the players now. When they miss a game, they start to realize I can do more individually. I can do more. That that's the answer. I don't. It's not me going around saying, "Boys, be good." They all get it. Let's go Mitch and then Darnell and 
Jeff. Yeah, Tom, I know you kind of touched on this a little bit ago about the Bulls. It's not really your top focus right now, but, uh, you know, pie-in-the-sky type thought, uh, if, if BYU was in the mix or is an at-large for a New Year's Six, has the playoff ever told you what the requirements are for a BYU to qualify as an at-large team for a New Year's Six potentially? No. Um, it's too early. It's just really too early. And I don't want to be disrespectful, but it's – it's so it's too early for the P5s. You know, they'll talk about it. The media will talk about it because that's the, that's the steps. Every week leads to teams winning and losing and teams move more closer towards that. For BYU right now, there is a path for sure, but that pathway will be seen down the road. There's a lot of games, a lot of good football that has to be played for us to be in that discussion and it's it's way too premature to even consider or contemplate i wouldn't even look at the pathways but i do know that there's a pathway thanks tom with your connections to the ncaa tournament from your your time on the committees have you stuck your nose into byu basketball scheduling have you tried to help out with what they're trying to get accomplished because it's it's uh, getting kind of crazy for them too yeah i'm glad it's it's this is the part that's everybody's football 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 but basketball is this is a very important time right now for college basketball so the work that's being done right now on the conference level to figure out how teams are going to do their conference schedule and the non-conference is it going to be possible in basketball you're looking at these bubbles that are kind of uh, pseudo nba bubbles Look, it's nothing like an NBA bubble, but they're, they're stealing that term. Um, it's a pseudo bubble for sure. But there's games that are being um, scheduled right now that are non-conference games, and it's kind of been topsy-turvy. Just like in football, we've lost a lot of uh, non-conference scheduled games. Now everybody's kind of back in, like the Pac-12 was out, now they're back in. And now we're going back to the table to see how we can best schedule those games. Can we reschedule that game against Oregon? Can we reschedule that game against Utah? Can we reschedule that game against um, Arizona State? And those are, those are look, I got Brian Santiago going 24-7 on basketball, and I got 24-7 on football. And, but I know, as I talk with Brian and Pope um, on a regular basis, yeah, they are, that's a, on a scale of one to 10, that's a nine and a half right now. So that's a huge part. And whether, and right now we could, we're scheduling, we're looking at rescheduling non-conference games, just like I was, they could all wipe themselves out. So what we did in football is going on in basketball right now. Jeff, call, do you have another question? Yeah, Tom, um, how would you assess the job that Kalani has done in terms of just managing the pandemic, the, the injuries, the ever-changing schedule? Uh, how, do you, how would you describe the job that he's been able to do so far this season? Excellent. Excellent. Um, I think it, it takes a personality like Kalani's. He's very patient, um, and he's very personable. And he's very communicative with his guys. And this is a situation 
where in all of college athletics, starting last March, when the basketball tournament was canceled, and then all the sports were canceled, is the focus of attention was which coaches can concentrate on the relationships with the players because there's not going to be practice. There's not going to be games. It's going to be so unusual and atypical. And Kalani's taken that, that from that time period, missed spring practice and all the other things, day by day by day by day, and he's brought them to this point. And so today on October 2nd, we're in a good spot. And he's managed it extraordinarily well. And I'm super proud of him. It's been very difficult. He doesn't show it, but he, it's been hard. And he has a really good staff that I think has mirrored his leadership. And he has a very, very great set of senior and underclassmen leaders that have really um, taken control of that team. That's what it is. And, and all the credit goes to that team. But they just, they're, they're, their focus of attention goes from COVID testing to school to their health to practice to a game started over. There's so much more on their plates and so many more things to consider. And I think Kalani's done a very good job of balancing it out and then the kids have done a great job of keeping a very focused mentality up to this point. 